The reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. Uh, If you've got one of these church Bibles, it's on page 969. And if you've got one of the big print Bibles, it's 1,535. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. My name's Geraint. I'm one of the um, congregation here. I'm a teacher at a church, at a school up in in Ryslip. And um, I'm, I'm Welsh. I'm very Welsh, thank you very much. Um, and I, um, I, I can't believe, I'm going to say these words, and I can't believe I'm saying them. <laughs> We're in the quarterfinals. <laughs> oh, dear. How long has it been since I've, I've been able to say words like that? It's ridiculous, um, but, but brilliant at the same time. Um, so I am Welsh. But I'm also, I'm very, I'm very angry. That was the best I could do for angry, is uh, to have a little, a little wave and, and, then, uh, and then turn in red. But uh, do you know what? I think it's something that we all suffer with. I think we all suffer with anger at some point in our lives. I'm, and I'm coming from a position of um, not speaking from a position of strength. So I'm going to give you my top five things that I get angry about. Okay, um, just so that you know that you're in good company. Um, so at number five, I should have some of that top ten music, shouldn't I? You know, but no, I haven't. Um, top number five, bumping my head. I hate bumping my head. And if I bump my head, I kind of have to go to a little place by myself just to sort of calm myself down. Don't quite know why I get so angry about bumping my head, but I hate it. Um, at number four. Um, as I said, as my teacher, I hate marking. I absolutely loathe marking. Um, I'd rather have a conversation with a student and, and, and put things right, but actually sitting of an hour, uh, of hours and hours at home, marking and ticking and grading work, it just does my head in. Number three, I hate bullies. I suffered, I was bullied as, as a kid, and that's probably one of the reasons why I'm a teacher. Um, and I just don't like bullies. I don't like people who don't admit they're bullies either. Um, um, that might come into, onto point number two. And that's people who don't tell the truth. That winds me up. 
I want to know where I am with you. If you tell me the truth, I know what, what we're, where we're coming from. But if you don't tell me the truth, and you tell me some lies, and then I go off believing those lies, and then I find out that they're not true, that really makes me cross and angry. But my number one thing that I, gets me angry is uh, being stuck behind a car towing a caravan. <laughs> Dear Lord, it just sends me through the roof. Especially if we go down to Cornwall and we're on those windy roads and the last half an hour's journey takes something close to two and a half hours. Not great. I am an angry person. I've suffered with anger. Anyway. So, the types of anger that we come across is my next point. Anger is an emotion that sometimes is okay. And we can see that because Jesus was angry at certain times. And that is not the anger that we're talking about here. We're not talking about righteous anger. Righteous anger is the sort of anger that you might feel on behalf of somebody else. On behalf of God. Because something isn't going the way that you know that God would want it to go. And that's okay. It results in action. It results in justice. It results in love. And we can see that in Mark's gospel quite clearly. Mark 3, chapter 1 to 6, Jesus goes into the temple on a, sun, on a Sabbath. And he's, uh, he sees a, a guy who's got a crippled hand. And it's a mess. And it's damaging his life. And he can't serve his family. And he can't look after them. And Jesus knows what he has to do. He has to heal that man. He has to make his hand right. He has to restore his life. And he's angry because he knows that the religious people there are watching him, waiting for him to do the wrong thing, which he knows is the right thing. And he's angry with those people because they're not following in the path that God has laid out for them. In Mark 10, he's angry with his disciples. And he says, yeah, the, 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 Jesus has had a busy day. And he's out there, and uh, the crowds are around him, and people are bringing him his kids, and, uh, you know, saying, bless my child, Jesus, you know, and all the rest of it, just like we had this morning in the baptism. And his disciples are saying, look, Jesus is really busy. He's been really busy, and frankly, he needs a rest. Now, they were coming from a good place, but Jesus was cross with them. Because he said, no, 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 no. These are the ones that I need. I want the children, because their faith is pure. They understand the kingdom of heaven. They understand they need to be in relationship with me. Don't send them away. Don't send anybody away but especially not the children. And in Mark 11, Jesus comes to the temple and he sees that his church has been turned into something that it's really, really not supposed to be. He's turned it into a marketplace rather than a place of worship. 
And he says, that's the line. That's the line. We've got to do something about this. And he flips tables and he says, get out. Get out of my house. Because that is not what this is for. He was angry. And quite justly and righteously angry. But unrighteous anger is a whole different ballgame. It tends to be on behalf of yourself. And it results in self-pity and hatred and pride and malice and revenge. Qualities that are horrible. Frederick Bucher, he's an American theologian and a fantastic uh, guy. He wrote this paragraph, and I'm going to read it to you. Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savour to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it's a feast for the king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. And isn't that the truth? The anger sitting in unrighteous anger can lead to you destroying yourself. Because anger is not good for you. It's not good for you for a number of reasons. Your physical health is damaged by anger. Anger releases... Um, adrenaline and cortisol, which make your heart work faster and uh, basically uh, makes it work more than it should. If you are constantly in a tension of anger, then your heart is working way more than it should. And there's statistical evidence to suggest that you are 20% more likely to suffer from heart disease as a consequence. Anger is not good for your physical health. Anger is the most easy phase of grief to get stuck in. Mental health can, be suffer, can suffer as a consequence of anger. And that will lead to depression and all manner of mental sickness. And your spiritual health can suffer. It's bad for your soul, not just your relationship with God, but with your family, with your work colleagues, the decisions that you make that have profound effects on your life. It is a bad thing. So, WDJS, what would or what did Jesus say? about anger? Well, he said some very strong words. 
anyone who is angry with his brother is subject to judgment. Well, he said that being angry with somebody is as much, is, is as good as killing them in God's eyes because sin is sin. He says, if you call someone racker, now, racker is basically saying, you're an idiot. Yeah? You're dope. But we're not talking about banter, okay? We're not talking about Bantasaurus Rex here or the Archbishop of Banterbury, okay? Where you're having a bit of a joke with somebody and you say things and you know it's all done in a friendly, jokey kind of way. This is anger that is deep-seated and that needs to be sorted out in a, co- in a court of law. That's what Sanhedrin were. You're actually saying, this person is useless. They're an idiot. They're rubbish at their job. You're, a f- you're, you're saying to them um, that they, their effectiveness as a person is being called into question. And it needs to be taken to the court. That's wrong. And if you say, you fool, you're not attacking their effectiveness of being able to do something. You're actually challenging who they are as a person. You're actually taking their character and you are slandering them. But again, not a one-off instance, but this is residing in anger and hatred. That's as good as killing them, is what Jesus says. So what did Jesus say? He gave some really, really great advice. He said, sort it out. Sort it out. Don't sit in anger and just let it burn you through you and destroy you. Sort it out. The um, two stories um, that are in that passage that Jesus gives the practical outworking of his advice, because Jesus was amazingly practical. I've found a um, modernized version of those two stories so that we can see it in a modern context. So, story number one. If you're in the middle of a service of worship and you suddenly remember that your brother has a grievance against you, leave church at once and put it right. Do not wait until the service has ended. Seek out your brother and ask his forgiveness. First go, then come. First go and be reconciled, sorted out with your brother, and then come and worship God. Sorted out. Don't let it fester. I've seen, I've been part of probably five, six churches in my life. And I have seen churches being ripped apart because people haven't sorted out their anger and their differences. And things that they were angry about has just slowly eaten away. 
Story number two. You've got an unpaid debt and your creditor takes you to court to get his money back. Come to terms with him quickly. Make a settlement out of court. Even while you're on the way to court, pay your debt. Otherwise, once you reach court, it'll be too late. And you'll be sued and the judge will hand you over to the police and you'll be sent to jail. And you'll end up having to pay a fine and the original debt and you won't get out before you pay it all. Much more sensible to pay up before prison. A story in the context of church life and a story in the context of everyday life. Because Jesus doesn't just want it to be okay on a Sunday morning. He wants to be okay in all aspects of our lives. What a challenge. So if we take out anger from our life, what gets left behind? A gaping chasm of emptiness, a void, No, because Jesus starts this whole sermon with some wonderful aspirations for us to live to. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek. Never liked that word. We had a family children's... um, book of stories as a child. And meek, for me, as a little boy, sounded very much too much like weak. So, um, the storybook also had songs in it, and there was a song, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. And for a really bouncy five-year-old, that didn't sit easy with me, because I wanted Jesus to be way and not... And unfortunately, there was a picture of Jesus with a lamb wrapped around his neck with this pathetic expression on his face. I hated it so much because it wasn't the Jesus that I was learning about in the Bible. Meek, as I have come to realise, is a a set of characteristics that is really attractive. Gentle. Yeah, I like gentle people. Humble. Yeah, the people who wind me up are the ones who are bragging out it over me and shoving it in my face. Considerate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll have some of that, thank you very much. And courteous. Those kind of people... Yeah, that's, that's what I want to be like. Meekness is having a true view of yourself in front of God. Coming into church and saying, I know God, I know I'm less than I should be. But I know what you've done to put me right But it's not just about having it in front of God. It's also about having it in front of man. 
which is a whole different ballgame. Because I'm quite happy to say to God, I know I'm not the finished product. I know that you've died for me and you've taken away all my sin and I need that to be right with you. But if one of you guys come up to me and start telling me, hey, you know what? You're not all that. The anger will rise. And it's getting to a place where actually I can take that criticism from anybody as well as myself and be meek and know that the grace of God covers it all. And what's the promise that's attached to that? They shall inherit the earth. Why? Really? They shall inherit the earth? All the earth? Well, perhaps, yes, they will inherit the earth. Because they're not the ones who are grasping for power and who will be content with what they get in life so that they will feel that they have inherited everything because they've got the biggest prize on the planet, which is forgiveness from the Lord our God. They shall inherit the earth. So how else are we going to fill the void? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers. We've heard a lot about that in the last couple of days. How now we need to pull together as a country which is looking fractured. Whatever's happened in Europe and the decision that's been made... We need to now, more than ever, pull together as a fractured community and show one another love. We need to be peacemakers. We need to be hope bringers. We need to be people who bring transformation to our communities. And that transformation can only come through the gospel through actually living out the gospel and proclaiming the gospel to those people who've never heard it before. To say, your God loves you so much and he wants the best for you. He wants to restore you. He wants your life to be so much better than it, you ever dreamed that it could possibly be. God is in control in this situation that we find ourselves in. It doesn't matter the outcome of the result because God is ultimately in control. And there were people on Friday, and I was one of them, who was angry and hurt. But actually, the reality is, 
God is over all of this. And he has plans for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a future. God is love. He wants to take our anger and our hurt and to quench it so that we live our lives in a way that glorifies him and actually brings people to the reality of what their lives should be. This morning, the prayer ministry, sorry, the prayer ministry team will be over there. If you, if something I've said this morning has made you think, I want a bit of that. I need a bit of that. I need something in my life to change. Then please go on over and ask for some prayer. God is willing for these blessings to be part of your lives. Band, have you come up? As I close in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you love us, that you love us so much. And you're not just concerned about our souls, you're concerned about us all, 100% of us as a people. Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, that we would be peacemakers, that we would be love givers, that we would be meek and that people might see just a tiny bit of you in us, that they might come to know you as their Lord and Saviour as well. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning who does not know you as their Lord and Saviour, that they might come to know you, the loving God who's never, ever going to let them go. Amen.